in tremulous times. Um, first of all, let me get out, get this out of the way. Uh, Sister Davis is collecting money for Brother Robertson's birthday. And so if you would be so kind as to contribute to that. For those of you who have your Bibles, uh, please uh, turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. There's, uh, there seems to be a lot of confusion this morning. I don't know if it's because of the time changes. I don't know if it's because uh, what's going on. I was out in the hall, and the uh, teenagers didn't know whether to come in here or go out to the classes. Um, it just seems like, you know, um, there, there's just a lot of confusion going on. And uh, it just... This time change just really messes people up, you know. Uh, I, I just wish we hadn't gone that way. So right now, before I begin, I want to take authority over a spirit of confusion in Jesus' name, and I command it to go. I ask your blessings upon the Word of God this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would bless each person that is here. I pray that God, that as the Word of God goes forth, that you would touch our hearts and touch our souls, and that, God, that you would come into this place and, God, just minister through the Word of God and through the Spirit. Lord, that you would speak to every heart in some way, in some form, some fashion. Let not us leave this place, Lord, the same as we come. But, God, I ask your blessings upon this place and upon these people, and I ask that you would bless my thoughts and bless my tongue and help me, Lord, to minister. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Reading out of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that all things that are seen, all things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he had obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found, because, he, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. By faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. I, uh, I was just looking at this chapter when Brother uh, Hill was speaking, and, and in, in Matthew 24 it was saying this, The heavens and the earth shall pass away, but not my word shall not pass away. But the day and the hour no man knoweth, not of the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So shall this coming of the... We are, we are there. There is an anticipation um, that, is, that is in the air. You, you can't help but, but notice it. You can't help but feel it. It, 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 is, it is the shaking of the ground. You, 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 you walk upon the ground and the most stable thing in your life, the earth, shakes under your feet. I... I I'm 50 years old. I've, I've experienced a few minor earthquakes, but I have never experienced one at 8.9 percent on the on the Richter scale. I've never had it so shaken that that I'm knocked to the ground. I've never seen the uh, the, the tsunami that hit Japan. I was listening to uh, a short brief in the news, and they say that they're they're afraid that that nuclear reactor is starting to melt down. They have been hit after wave after wave with with tragedies and and and. They have been suffering and will suffer for a while to come. 
these, these folks are not done suffering. And uh, it is times like these that when our, our, our lives are turned upside down, that we must put our faith in something greater than who we are. We cannot put our faith in temporal things. We cannot allow ourselves to become complacent upon the fact that tomorrow when I get up, if I should get up, that I'm going to have something on my table. That when I flip the switch on in my, my, uh, my kitchen that the light's going to come on or when I reach in the refrigerator, my milk is going to be there. We have no guarantees of our tomorrow. But we are so complacent in the things that we put our faith in and we fail to put our faith in something that is, is, is greater than who we are. I'm, uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. <clears throat> you see, there, Jesus said in, in, in John 20 and 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet believe. See, we, we, we haven't had a chance yet to see our God. We see Him manifested in many ways, but yet we weren't like Thomas and, and some of the other disciples that w- walked with Jesus day in and day out. See, man has struggled constantly in our time and in, and in years past with two concepts that are hard to put a finger on. One is faith. We, 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 we have a hard time with faith because we don't understand or completely are able to get a hold of faith because if if we had a complete hold on faith then we would see greater miracles we would see greater signs we'd be able to do greater works but see faith is so is is not a concrete entity that we can put our finger on and say this is what faith is we experience faith when we see people healed we experience faith when we see a soul repent of their sins we see faith when somebody is it receives an answer to prayer. We see faith work. But we, we, we have a hard time describing it. We have a hard time... I mean, the Bible gives us the definition. Faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That you, you have a technical definition, but if I was to ask you, exercise your faith, and come down and pray for somebody who is sick, that's a little bit harder. There was a, 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 a tightrope walker. His name was uh, Bodin, or I can't, it, it, it was a foreign name. And he was known for very many, a, a lot of feats that he performed in walking tightropes. He, he, was, he was a great tightrope walker. And one of his most famous things that he was known for was that it, he had stretched a a, a, a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And he walked across Niagara Falls and, and, and he walked back and the crowds ch- clapped and, 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 and cheered and uh, they, were, they, they, were, they were excited for him. And, and after he, he got done walking back across, he says, um, do, 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 does anybody believe that I can, I can push a wheelbarrow across this wire and, 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 and make it safely across? And the crowds cheered and the crowds roared because they believed that he could do it. He could push a wheelbarrow across a tight rope and make it safely there and back. And see, then he said, is there anybody here who thinks that I can, I can get in this, have somebody get in this wheelbarrow and push him across and come back? And the crowds cheered and roared. And then when he asked for a volunteer... See, faith is so hard to put a finger on. The second thing that is hard to put a finger on in the Scripture is God. See, you can, you can talk about God. Man has, has done many things to try to um, describe God. You see, there are certain primal things that we have um, in our lives that, that, that just... We don't. We we can't get a hold of. We we can't put a put put something into it. We can't describe it. We don't know whether God is black or white, or we don't know that God is 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 a whatever. However you want to put it, we, mankind has been trying to 
to put their finger on God since the time of creation. Only Adam and Eve walked with God, but they're dead. So how do you describe God? How do you describe who He is, what He looks like? Of course, we know in John 4 and 4, or 4 and 24, that God is a spirit. He has no form. He has no color. He has no shape. But there is just a primal need within man to try to put something in front of him that says, this is God. When the children of Israel came to the prophet Samuel in, in, in 1 Samuel 8 and 5 he, and said, make us a king, they were rejecting God, not because of the fact that they, 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 they didn't love God, it was because of the fact that they couldn't see God. They, they weren't rejecting God to, uh, to, to the fact that they didn't care for His leadership, but they wanted somebody that they could see. They wanted somebody that they could say, and this is, this, you're, you're my leader, you're my king. Man has always had this need, this need to be able to see and believe who is in front of them, who is, who, who's bigger than they are. You see, there are very, there, there's a few primal things in man's life that we need, we, we need. There's a primal need of food. The very, the very essence of, the, of our survival is, is, the, is the fact that we need to eat the next day. We need to drink. We need, we need sustenance to keep the body going. It's a very primal need. We, we, can, we, can, we have to learn how to hunt. We have to learn how to fish. We have to learn how to gather that food. Walmart has not always been around the corner. Another primal need is clothing. We're, we, <laughs> you go to many, many homes today, look at the wife's closet, and, and you wonder, how can she say, I don't have nothing to wear? But there is a very primal need in, within mankind that wants to cover their nakedness. And we wish it was more prevalent today than it was last year or the year before. It just seems that people seem to be shedding their clothes, especially during the summer. It's disgusting. Another primal need is the need of shelter. The need that, you know, when it rains, I, I, I can have some place to go. When, it, when it's cold, I can, I can get out of the weather. When it's... When, when I need some, some type of protection, I can hide in that shelter to, to keep me away from the elements and keep me away from, from the, the, the animals and so I can have a place of rest. It's a primal need. Another primal need is the need of companionship or procreation. The need that knows that life just doesn't stop with me. That there's going to be a tomorrow for somebody else. That there's going to be a tomorrow that, that, that's going to pass on who I am or that's going to pass on this, this human life. You see, but the most basic primal need is the need to believe in the existence of God. There is nothing more basic in man than to believe or to have the issue of faith. To believe that there is somebody bigger than I am. That with all the things that come into your life, with all the... The, the, the tragedies with all the circumstances, when the car breaks down, when the doors come off the hinges, when the bills aren't being paid, when the, when the people at work are just giving you a hard time or you're just having a hard time with life. It's always nice to know that there's somebody bigger than I that's going to work it all out. It's a primal need of man to know that there is somebody greater than who I am and my finite abilities that has something in control that he, he, he's going to take care of me in the end. It's a primal need. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if, I, if in this life only we have hope, uh, excuse me, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Our hope is not just for today. Our hope just didn't end yesterday. Our hope isn't going to end just tomorrow. But our hope is in an eternity that one day, because of Christ's promise, that He was going to come and take us back home with Him. We can believe 
that if we, if we couldn't believe in, in, in an afterlife, then what keeps, us, what keeps us living the way we do? If we can't believe in a, in a place that God is going to take us, and, 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 and there are people who believe that in, in the doctrine of eternal annihilation, that, that when, when, when you die, this is it. You go out into the netherworld and, and you no longer exist. The most shameful past man has is the belief that they would offer up one of the most precious things on earth. And that is the blood of an innocent life. The life of a child. It is horrendous to think that through the death of an innocent child given to any deity that it would be pleasing unto that deity is beyond comprehension to me. But we know that human past has allowed children to be passed through the fire. That human sacrifice has gone on many times over. More pagan societies sacrificed their children so that their God, believing that their God would bless their crops or bring rain or bring peace or hope of a good life or even the fact of eternal life. They have sacrificed their children thinking that through the death of this innocent child we are going to be able to have a, another crop another year. The fact that you know, we sacrifice this child that maybe the volcano is not going to erupt or the earth is not going to shake. We, the, the, the idea to think that we, we can sacrifice our children for whatever we have as an adult to, 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 so that we can, as adults can have a better life is horrendous, but yet we're doing it today. We sacrifice our young and don't give them the strength and the boundaries and the, and the way to live and we allow them to do whatever they want and they go out into the world and they experience the things of the world and, and they become like we are, lost, if, without Christ. We are sacrificing our young in so many ways. We, make, we, we try to give them things to make their lives easier or what we think would make their lives easier and we cause them to grow up too fast. We cast our young to the world sometimes. They, they are able to survive and sometimes they are not. I'm talking about faith this morning. History shows that those who would practice the black, art, black arts, such as witchcraft or divinations, would take a slave, a human slave, and uh, they would gut him. And they would pull out his entrails and look at the entrails and use them to predict the future. Before the times of Charlemagne, in the early 300s, they, uh, they, they did this quite often, trying to predict the future of a battle, trying to predict the future of the year to come. Humanity has gone through a great range of thoughts when it comes to faith in God. In Romans, the uh, first chapter, and, and some of these scriptures, sister, you're not going to have, uh, in Romans, the first chapter, it says, and they worship the creature more than the creator. We, 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 have, we have looked for ways so often to, to, to try to describe our gods, the things to believe in. We look at the power of the bird, or the, we look at the strength of the horse, or we look at the strength of the, the, uh, the, 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 the lion or the tiger or whatever, and, and, and because of their strength, we, we, we try to create a god that says that my god is as powerful or as strong as this god. And, and as, as, as corrupt as that may think, but you look at Egypt, they had so many gods. Their, their greatest god was Ra. And, and, and they would worship Ra with human sacrifice. And they would worship other gods with human sacrifices. And they would take and they would, they would bow to these gods. And we think that it's so, so medieval. There, Moab had the god of Moloch, Philistines had the god of Dagon. Rome and Greece had their mythologies of Zeus and, and Venus and Achilles and, and all those who, uh, who tried to believe that there was gods up there controlling certain parts of life, that you could trust Zeus and, and uh, what's the, uh, uh, the, the god of the water, the um, um, Poseidon. You know, there was all these gods because man had to have something to believe in. And you think that that is so pagan, but yet today we have a still, still have the same problem. 
you go, and I tried not to get too deep into the woods with this stuff, but there's, there, there is the Japanese who believe in Shintoism. There are those who believe today in many gods, and then there are those who today, like us, believe in one God. There is the atheist who says that there is no God, that everything that is from nature to natural laws exists, but there is no, no, no author or lawgiver. There is the pantheist that says that he is that all is God and God is all things. There is no personal, distinct, intellectual author that exists. He believes that intelligence and power are elements in the universe and separate from any other source. That all things, he's close to an evolutionist who just believes that all things come together and that everything evolves. There is the polytheist who believes that there's more than one God or multiple gods. And if you were to look at uh, some of the uh, earlier sects of, of the Iranian culture and some of the Eastern cultures, you would find that these, these gods were very prevalent. We find this to today's belief in Hinduism and Buddhism and Confucianism. We find these things today also in the fields and face of Trinity. The Trinity believes God exists as three persons but in one God, meaning that God the Son and God the Holy Ghost have exactly the same nature or being as God and Father in every way. And I got this out of Wikipedia. It says, whatever attributes and power God the Father has, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have as well. Thus, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are, so, are also eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, infinitely wise, infinitely holy, infinitely loving, and omniscient. It sounds like God has a split personality. Then there's monotheism. Mono comes from the Greek word monos, meaning single. Theos comes from the Greek word meaning God. It is the belief in the existence of one God. James 2 and 19 says that thou, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. I seen another thing not too long ago that said, and they shuddered. See, when we believe in God, there should be a shuddering in our life. There should be a shaking in our life. It's, it's one thing to have an intellectual knowledge of who God is, but it's another thing when God comes into your life. There should be something changing. There should be the very foundations that we once walked. We should, they should be shaking and they should be changing the way we, we believe and the way we walk and the way we talk. There should be a shuddering in our lives and trembling in fear that the fact that this powerful God who can send us to hell had such grace and mercy that He showed to us, that He called us out of a world of darkness into His marvelous light. That's why we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Not only to have faith in God, but to ex exercise that faith and to live, before, live it before men is very pleasing to God. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must believe that God is. It's so hard sometimes to think of how to please God. But yet when we, when we get this thing down in our soul, when we, when, we, when we become enamored with this thing, we should become enamored with this thing, that the power of God would cause us to wonder, would this please God? We've become so trite with the, with the thoughts and the ideas of what would Jesus do. Now that's a, that, that maybe started out as a good thought, but it, it's in one more thing that, that has become trite in our lives and, and we, have, we, we have brought God down to just a, a saying or an armband on our wrist. We have lost the fear of God. It is absolutely vital to our spiritual existence that not only to be aware of the viability of our faith, but also to know how to possess it. We must know how to live before God to make Him pleasing. I look again at the Scripture in, in, in Hebrews 11, 
where it says that Enoch pleased God. What was it about Enoch? Now, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about Enoch. <clears throat> we know his son lived 990-some-odd years. Methuselah. What, was it 965? I knew it was up there. Um, but what was it about Enoch that, that he so pleased God? He didn't have the Word of God like we We got 66 books of faith. Enoch didn't even have one. Well, how did God talk to Enoch? How did God communicate to Enoch? What was it about him that, that, that just he had such a love for God that, that God decided, hey, I want to take you out of here. You don't deserve to be upon this earth. There are only two people the Bible teaches that never tasted death. One was Enoch, and the other one was Elijah. Now, this is just personal belief to me, but uh, I believe that when, the, when it talks about in the book of Revelations, the two witnesses will come to the earth and witness of, of God in Israel. I believe that those are the two men that will be testifying. They have not seen death. You know, should the Lord tarry, we'll all see death in this room. And, and should the Lord not tarry, I, I want to be found. The Scripture says, will God find faith when He comes to the earth? I, 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 hope, I hope that when, when God comes to the earth, that He will find a, 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 a group of people that not only has faith, but lives by faith that believes that God is coming back and lives accordingly. Not living according to our own ways, not living according to our own thoughts or the intentions of our heart. Because when I lived according to my own ways and the own, my own intentions of my heart, I made a mess of my life. I, 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 I'm flat honest, I, I made a mess of my life. The reason why I am in church today is because I needed somebody to help me to get past the, the frailties of my own thinking, to get past the, the, the problems of my own life, and to know that there was somebody who had a greater answer than what I had in fixing the problems in my life, and that was Jesus Christ. If we were so great in being able to find direction in our own lives, then how is it that, that mankind has made such a mess of things? How is it that mankind has taken his life and, and just thrown it away in, in such unproductive ways? Faith. Faith in something greater than who I am. Faith, when, when, when a person believes, it's more than just a positive mental attitude. There are some who say that all you have to do is believe in a positive way, to have a positive attitude to walk with a positive mind frame, to believe that you know, everything's going to work out and, and, and you, don't, you don't have to, to worry that no matter what happens in life, you know, as long as you keep an, uh, an, an open mind and, a, and, a, and, and keep focused on positive ideas and positive thoughts, you're going to be all right. No, that's not what faith is. It's not just a positive mental attitude. When a person believes, the substance of what that person sees through the eyes of faith becomes the evidence and the proof of the object of his faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. In Romans 12, 13, it talks about God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. We look at through, we, we don't just say that God is going to heal me and then just go on. But through the faith that God said in His Word that He would heal us is the evidence and the substance of which we stand upon so that God can answer that prayer and move in our lives. Faith is a substance of a, of a person through, seeing through the eyes and believing in the Word. It brings evidence or the, the object of our faith. It's moving beyond who we are. Faith is, is not just in, in the healing Faith is taking the Word of God and applying it to our lives. The principles of holiness is faith. Walking according to the Scriptures and not going to a bar is faith. Walking in this world and, and being a testimony of how God is able to change a life when they live according to the Word of God is faith. 
When a person has faith, he not only envisions his answer, but he also rejoices over his answer. Matthew five twelve says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. God told us to rejoice not in what we see before us. We don't rejoice in the fact that not only, only that God has saved us, but, but we rejoice in the fact that one day He said He was going to come back and take us to a place where He has a mansion for each of us. We rejoice not in the fact that this life is the only thing, but God has something greater. We rejoice in the fact that the Scripture says that one day we're going to receive a crown. And we're going to take that crown and throw it at His feet. That's faith. Believing that tomorrow, when God comes back, He's going to take me home in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump. That's faith. To believe God's not done with you yet. That God's not finished with what He's he started in your life. That's faith. To believe that God is... God is going to still use you in the ministry to believe that God has still had a word that you're going to preach that nobody else has heard yet. It's faith. To believe that you're going to witness to the new person that just got on the job is faith. Jesus told his disciples to rejoice over something that they had not yet experienced. The rejoicing is the evidence of things not yet seen. We have the same thing with Noah who built the ark. He hadn't seen it rain. People hadn't seen it rain. But by faith, he built that ark. He prepared himself for a future event so that God would come. When God did cause it to rain, that he would be ready. And God has told us to get ready, to prepare for a future event. And the only way to prepare is not to build an ark, but to walk in the power and the salvation of his word and to walk through the power and the strength of his spirit. We are preparing our spiritual ark through faith, because He is coming back. Faith as a system of religious belief is singular in nature, just as there is only one God. Ephesians 4 and 5 says, One Lord, one faith, one, one baptism. By Genesis we believe, by faith we believe in Genesis 1 and 1, that God, in the beginning God created by faith we believe that God took the power that He had and spoke into existence the world. By faith we believe that God brought light into the world. By faith we, brought, we believe that God brought land to come forth, that the earth would bring forth its fruits, the trees were planted, the animals were, were created, the humanity was created. By faith, by faith we believe that God framed the world and put it into its place. I was talking with Brother Dean this morning and and he was talking about how, how he, he said that uh, scientists have said that Japan has shifted uh, so many uh, inches or feet. I can't remember what it was. And, and then he said that the axis of the earth has changed. I have a little problem with that. I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not doubting Brother, Brother uh, Dean, but I do doubt the scientists. I can believe that the earth shifts. And I can believe that even ground can move. But you see, God set the world in order. God framed. God put it in place. You know, man can dream. The problem with mankind is they think that they can, they can foretell not only the future, but that they can also foretell everything else. They think that they can create life. They think that they can create uh, cloning, use cloning to create another life. They, they, they can create whatever they want to create, and it will be all right. The Bible says, whose report shall you believe? Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe this world and the things that they can offer as a better life? Are you going to believe the things of this world? It says that, you know, if you, you, you attain so many riches, if you retain so many, so many toys, if you retain so much money, if you retain so much power, your life is better? Or are you going to believe God and His Word who says my burdens are easy and my yoke is light? You see, when we don't believe the Word of God, 
we're saying God is a liar. When we don't put our faith in the Word of God or we, don't, we take, and, we take and, and try to isolate a per, certain portion of Scripture, we say that God is a liar. In Hebrews 6, it says that God is not a liar. Have you ever had somebody come up and say, you know, I don't believe what you said. I, I, don't think, I think you're making it up. You know how you felt about that? You wanted to punch the guy in the face? How does God feel when we call him a liar? How does God feel when we don't take him at his word and, and, and we live according to the way we want? How does God feel when, you know, we, we fail to exercise the, the, the commandments or the, the, the promises of the word of God? How does God feel? Is, are we saying that God's a liar? By not living holy? It takes less faith to believe that God created the heavens and the earth than to believe in the Big Bang Theory. That there was suddenly a great explosion, and as that explosion went forth, the planets landed exactly where they're at, in the orbit that they're at, at the, in, in the sequential circle that they, they are in, and that the earth landed perfectly, right in that place where, where we're protected from, from, from certain parts of the sun and, and, and that were protected from, from the meteorites. You know, the, the, the beauty of God's love is that when He formed the earth and put it where it was at, it, the, the planets, the, circumstantial, the, the cir- circumference of all these other planets, when they go around in a, in a circle around the, the sun, it says that these planets are protecting the earth from the meteorites that come at different points through, through space. We know that there are, there are greater galaxies in the earth than the, the Milky Way. We know that there are greater galaxies than what we live in. And, and, and God put the earth in such a place that all these other planets act as a protective shield from all these other sources of, of meteorites and, and, and things in space. How many times has Halley's planet, or Halley's comet, excuse me, has come so close to the earth, but suddenly something pulls it away from the earth. Or other meteorites that have come so close and yet have missed earth. No, I can't believe, it takes more faith for me to believe that life just happened the way it is. That the reason why your, your, your blood coagulates, that your antibodies go to where a cut is, it takes more faith to believe that that just happens than to believe in the power of a loving God that created your body. It takes a lot of faith. When we live by the principles of faith found in the Word of God and prove them to be true, then we can believe that the rest of the promises of God He's going to perform. In Isaiah 55 and 11 it says, uh, So shall my words go be Excuse me. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not refor- return to me void, but it will accomplish that what it set out to do. And it shall prosper in the thing whereof I sent it out to. Or sent, there, thereto I sent it. It is impossible that once you experience this gospel message, it is impossible that once you, by faith, are baptized in water when you speak with the evidence of other tongues it is impossible not to believe that God's not going to perform everything else he said he would do there are so many people within the sound of my voice that God has done great miracles for there there are, there are people here who have been healed there are people here who have seen how God has... I, I knew it when I first come into this faith, I, I, there was a man by the name of uh, Jim Nash and uh, his wife Bonnie. They were, they were great people. They had a little girl that um, she had a, her eye was crossed. And no matter what they did, it was, they, the doctor said it was some kind of muscle that was just... Not, that was pulling that eye into her, like towards her nose. And, and whenever she looked at you, you couldn't tell where she was looking because of this 
this thing with her eye. It was a Wednesday night uh, at a service on Wednesday night. The next day they were going to take her to the hospital and they were going to have the doctor cut that muscle on her eye and try to hopefully cause that eye to go back to where it was. And that Wednesday night they brought that little girl up and, and prayed for her, anointed her with oil and prayed for her. And you know the next day that eye was perfect. That I was perfect. If I can believe, if I can see that kind of miracle and know that God did that without the, the, the work of a scalpel, without the work of a human hand touching that eye, I can believe that God is going to save me. I can believe that God is going to answer my prayers. I can believe that God is going to meet my needs. I can believe that God is going to come back one day and save my soul from this world that is going to, 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 to be destroyed. I can believe because God has answered prayers in my life. And you can believe because God has answered prayers in your life. That is faith. That is faith. It's impossible to manifest love or to show love if we don't manifest it. It's, it's, it's impossible to believe that I, I, I love my wife and just to say I love you is not enough. When I love my wife, I'm going to take care of her. When you love your wife or your husband, they're going to take care of you. They're going to, they're going to help you. They're going to meet your needs. You're going to provide for them. You're going to take whatever it takes to make sure that their, their, their needs are met to the best of your ability. It's a manifestation of love. When you have faith with God, it's impossible to say, I love you, God, if we don't manifest that love by the way we live. If we don't manifest that love by the way we worship. If we don't manifest that love by the way we, we serve God. It's more than just an intellectual assent that says, I love you, God. Faith is taking that love and putting it into action and using it to change your life. Faith is action. It's not just an intellectual assent. Doubt sees the obstacle, but faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night, but faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. But faith soars high. Doubt question who's believe. Faith says it is I. Ephesians 6 and 16. Above all, take, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let me ask you this morning, what is your shield of faith? I know, and I'm not, I'm not aside from the Word of God, you know, we, we, we take the Word of God. It's our sword. We use the, the, the sword of the Spirit to, to uh, be able to destroy the, the, the imaginations of, uh, of evil, to, to bring wisdom, to bring insight, to bring direction. Uh, that is a shield. But what other shields of faith do we have? How about when we were baptized? The very moment that we go down in the water is a shield of faith that says, at this time, I accept all of what God says is true, and I am baptized into His name. How about tithing as a shield of faith? That, when I, that says that all my finances, all that I have, Lord, is yours, and, and, I, and I give my, my tenth to you as a, as, as a pledge that you ask for. And through it, God blesses so many different ways. That's a shield that we can put in front of others. What about when we spoke in tongues? As a shield of faith. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, He puts, the Scripture says, He puts the earnest of His Spirit in your soul. And you speak with the evidence of another language that you never knew before. As a shield of faith. God, God takes this and says, This is a part of me that I'm putting in you. How about that? That when the devil comes and says, your experience wasn't real. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can remember the day that I spoke with another language. 
When I received the Holy Ghost, I was in somebody's living room. I was sitting on his couch, and we were praying. Came down, the Spirit came down. And I, I'm not a quiet man. I'm like a bull in a china shop sometimes. And when I, scared, when I started speaking in tongues, I, sp- I scared everybody in that apartment building. faithful person not denies himself and he sacrifices himself all that he is and has he trusts God he believes God and knows that God will work in all things for his good he therefore casts himself totally upon God and becomes faithful to God faith does not doubt God he doesn't doubt his salvation he doesn't doubt his provisions nor does he doubt his strength in the time of need Faith, did not, the faith does not begin with God and then backs off and gives up. Faith does not walk with God and then gives up and walks in the lusts of the flesh. Hebrews 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship created in God and Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's some things that God has called us to be some witnesses, some testimonies, some lights, some things that God has working in your life that no other person has. You are His workmanship. You are His beauty. You are His charm. You are His, His witness, His testimony. You are God's testimony of what God can do when a man gives his, world, his life and his soul to you or to God. How God changes you. How God makes you a different creature. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you are not the same. The power to walk around without being affected by the things of this world. The power to say no, not only to your flesh, but to God, to the, to the devil. It's God's workmanship. The power to submit to the Word of God is God's workmanship. Hebrews 11:8. By faith, when we go, when He was called to go out into a place which He should not should after receive as an inheritance, obeyed. He went out, not knowing whether he went. All Abraham had was the word of God to believe. By faith, Caleb believed God when he said, let us go up and possess the land at once. In Numbers 13.30, God had promised to give them the land, and he believed it. By faith... Peter believed God when he said, Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down my net. Found in Luke 5 and 5. His word was all Peter had. With faith there must come some kind of action with it. James 2, 14 through 16 says this, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save them? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, you give them nothing, or give them none, give them not these things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? In other words, when you have faith, there's going to be action. When you have faith and you see a brother in need, there's going to be something that, that you're, going to, you're going to be motivated to do. Not just too, too long ago, I'm, I, I'm aware that there was somebody here who had car trouble. And there was another brother in the church that, that took him home. That is faith in action. That is faith with works. Faith with works takes what we have. And being used by God, we help others with it. Faith in action is, is taking what we have and not being selfish with it. We don't hoard what we have because God gave it all. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadows of turning. God gives us good gifts. And so all that we have, from the, our cars to our homes to our clothes to our food, is all blessings that God gives. So if that's true, then why should we be so, so, so selfish and not share it with others? The Bible gives other examples of faith. There is the leper in Matthew 8 and 2. said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou, can make, thou canst make me clean. There is the centurion in Matthew 8 and 10. That says, I have not found so great a faith. There is the ruler, young uh, ruler of the synagogue that says, Come, that thy hand, lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. 
There's the blind man in Matthew 9 and 28 that says, Believe, believe ye that I am able to do this? And he said, Yea, Lord. There's the disease in Matthew 14 and 36. As many as were touched were made perfectly whole. Then there's a Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, 28. Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. The Bible is full and replete with many examples of men of faith. True, saving faith then leads to actions. It takes the whole life. In your life, if your life is not changed, it is not that you don't have faith, but you lack works. You can't have real faith without it. I want to I want to talk about some men of faith. There's a man by the name of Charles Rigdon who was born in 1906. He died in 1972. He was one of six children. At the age of 8 he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a brush arbor. He began preaching the gospel in his teenage years and at the age of 21 he took his first church with a salary of $4.50 per, per week. After several years of ministering in Missouri, Brother Rigdon received the invitation to take a, his family to a small community in Hillville, Illinois, where he raised a church and ministered for over 30 years. In the years that followed, he had many revivals and saw many souls that were born into the kingdom of heaven. Was he a failure? Not in the eyes of God. In the eyes of all those that were saved under his ministry, he wasn't a failure. I want to talk about another man. W.T. Witherspoon, a tall giant in the early days of the Jesus Name movement, born August of 1880. Brother Witherspoon was one of eight, uh, excuse me, seven children. At the age of 16, he was forced to leave school so that he could help support his, his uh, mother and his other brothers and sisters. When Brother Witherspoon joined the Methodist Church. He determined to serve God with all his heart. In August of 1912, Brother Witherspoon received the Holy Ghost and was never again satisfied with a dead faith. In 1914, Brother Witherspoon quit his job as a manager in a typewriter company in Columbus, Ohio, and started a ministry that forever changed so many lives. During his time in the pulpit, he built many churches in many different cities all over Ohio. At the time of his death in October of 1947, he was one of the first preachers to start a radio program to preach this gospel message to Columbus and wherever the single signal would go. He was also one of the first preachers to print a church newspaper to encourage the faith of others to serve God. Brother Witherspoon uh, influenced many of the great apostolic men, such as S.G. Norris, G.C. Chambers, Paul Box, and Stanley Chambers. He was said to be a leader of many leaders among the United Pentecostal Church. He gave the church a great heritage. Who are these men? They weren't men that were born into nobility. They weren't men that um, had money. These were men that were born in a time when, well, at the turn of the century, most of them. They were men that suffered the, 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 the Great Depression, they suffered the, the, the droughts, they suffered the dust bowls uh, of, of the West, they suffered many things. These were common men. Men, like you and I. Women that gave their lives to the cause of Christ. By faith, they, they, they took this gospel message and they, 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 they put it in their heart and said, my life, as small of a world that I have around me, I'm going to make a difference with it. Faith took this man, these men and said, I'm going to do something for God. Faith takes the ability of what we have and, and, and causes it to grow. We, we, we look at the, 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 the hall of faith in, in, in Hebrews 11 and sometimes we think that these men were, were as great as they were that maybe somehow that they had some kind of special blessing upon their life that they were able to, to, to make the commitments that they made. We, we fail to think sometimes about the great men who brought this gospel message to our lives. Not, not men that of notoriety, but common men. By faith, these men said, Yea, Lord, I'll go. Yes, 
God, I'll talk to that person. Yes, God, I'll witness to that man, that woman. Men of faith. Not great men. These men didn't have much. We look in comparison to our lives today. We have the comfort of padding upon our pews. We have the comfort of air conditioning or heat. We have the comfort of lights. We have the comfort of all the finery that comes with a work life. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but we become comfortable in them. We, become, we have what we call the comfort zones. And, and we're afraid to step out of those comfort zones. How, how many G.T. Haywoods have yet to be born? How many G.T. Haywoods have yet to, to, to hear this gospel message? The street thug who has yet to be saved, the alcoholic, the drug addict, the wayward mother, the single mother, the down-and-out man who has lost his job. By faith, who are these men that, that they have yet to be saved? Who upon a pew that sits here this morning is, is going to take the gospel message someplace else and bring it to a, a life to, to grow, bring a life to be born into the kingdom of heaven? Faith took these men out of their comfort zones. We are so complacent with Hebrews 11, but there's Hebrews 12.1 that says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Our Bible, our 66 books that we believe in, they're a testimony of faith, or a testimony of men and women who, for all intents and purposes, gave their lives for the gospel message. I'm coming to a close. If I could have the music, please. There are other men of faith that are born in our generation. <clears throat> there is W.I. Black who passed away in 1978 there's J.C. Chambers or G.C. Chambers who died in the late 80's there's Paul Gregory who died in 1973 there's a man by the name of M.J. Wolfe who I knew great man of God died in 1984 there's a man by the name of John Bolt who died in 1986. And then another man of God, Brother Rick Robertson, who still ministers in faith, who still ministers by faith, who still believes in the preciousness of this Word of God. Pastor, why don't you change your doctrine? Pastor, why is it wrong? Why can't I wear my earrings? Or why can't I cut my hair? Or why can't I dress this way or that way? Why can't I talk the way I want to talk? Because this Bible says, the Word of God says, by faith, our, our pastor takes the standard of the Word of God and he still preaches it. We are living in a community here in Spencer, Indiana surrounded by men of intellect, men from IU, men who, who say, I, you don't have to believe this way. Men who, who have taken their lives and, uh, and applied knowledge to it and said, this is how I want to live. This is the way you can live if you just follow what I think is right. But I take the Word of God and says, this says the Word of God. This is what my Bible says. I can't help. I can't change what other churches are doing today. I can't, I can't, I'm not even going to try to defend 
why other churches have said it's all right to have a homosexual man or a homosexual woman in your pulpit. My, says, my Bible says that's wrong. We're supposed to be so tolerant in our society today. We're supposed to accept what's right for you is not always wrong for me, but what's right for me is not always right for you. We accept these doctrines that the society keeps pushing in the church. And we say it's okay to live this way. Everybody else is. And we allow these people to come into our church and, and, and dictate doctrines that are not in the Word of God. But I am so thankful that there is a man of God who has this pulpit that says, I am not going to trespass the Word of God. I am thankful for my pastor. Though men have come against him and said many evil things against him, he has still held the faith. He's not an invincible man. He's not a man that doesn't feel pain. He doesn't feel shame. He doesn't feel hurt. He feels just like you and I feel, but yet he still has said, by the word of God, I'm going to stand. By faith. Because God's word says it's true. Can we do any less? Should we do any less? Should we always put the burden upon our pastor to carry the weight of the day? Yes, our pastor's there to help us. But well, what about you? Aren't you supposed to be men of faith, women of faith? When they ask you to do what is wrong, will you succumb? Will you say, all right, and not even put up a defense? Or just say no? We're close to the end times. We live. This is just not, this just isn't my thoughts, but we live in a time that the Bible says good is evil and evil is good. Our countries are surrounded. Let's stand. Our, countries are, our country is surrounded by the fact that you can't speak out against certain faiths and certain religions we just this week they there was a congressman in new york that tried to open up the the doors of islam and he was nothing but ridiculed and he was chastised and he was denigrated and and he was constantly being attacked because he wanted to explode, expose the, the, the fanaticism of, of terrorism in, within the Muslim faith or the Islamic faith. Are all those who are of that faith radical? No. But there, there are those who, there are many who are. My balance, my guidance, my... My hope all lies within the Word of God. Though these men are gone, the Bible talks about their legacy of faith still lives on today. And the people who still walk the earth today, men and women who have received the Holy Ghost and live holy lives are a testimony and a tribute, not only to the gospel message, but also to those who, who by faith have gone out of their comfort zones. Where are you at today? I ask you this morning, only in reflection, will you follow the way of the world? Will you give yourself to the way the world is living, the way the world says is okay to live? Or will you stand by faith on the Word of God? I don't know. Only you can make that choice. As for me and my house, to the best of our ability, we have made the choice to serve the Lord. My son, 17, my daughter, 14, have come of age. They've come of age to make their own choice. I look at some of you who, over the last 20 years that I've been here, who have 
raise families and are raising families, the things that you're doing for them, instilling in them, that one day they'll also have to stand. I don't know what the future holds for my family or for me or for, for anybody other than the fact that one day Christ is going to return. But to the best of my ability, by faith, I'm going to walk, walk this way and I'm going to serve God. I'm going to believe the Word of God and I'm going to believe the promises that God gave that He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. I can believe that with faith. Tonight, let's continue to pray for our pastor and his needs, his healing. You know, if he stands behind this pulpit, all you within the sound of my voice know that he's, going, he's in pain. Wouldn't it be marvelous that by faith, your prayers and mine, that God would heal him between now and the time the service starts? Let's bow our heads. I, I, I just want to pray for him one more time. And let's just pray that tonight when the Spirit of God moves, that you and I can also move with it and draw just a little bit closer to God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come, Lord, asking and believing, God, that you would heal our pastor. By faith we claim his healing touch, that, Lord, through your blood, you said we are made whole, that through your stripes, Lord, you have purchased our healing God, by faith we ask for your healing touch upon our pastor and upon his needs. I ask that you would speak to his heart tonight, Lord, that you would speak to him and help him as he struggles with the frailties of humanity, as he struggles to overcome the pain. I pray that, God, that you would take that pain completely away, that you would restore health to his foot, that, God, that you would give him strength to his body. And not for him only, Lord. I I pray for all these in the congregation who, for whatever ailment they have, whatever pain, whatever things that are bothering their, their bodies or, or even bothering their souls, I pray, God, that you would minister and help each one. God, you, you know where every heart is. You know the state of their mind. You know the state of their thoughts. You know, God, their, their needs. And I am so thankful, God, that you can meet each one. I ask that as these good folks, Lord, leave this place this morning, that God, that you would go with them and bring them back safely to the house of God. And that God, tonight there would be a great outpouring of your Spirit, the great moving of the Holy Ghost, that God, that you would minister like only you can minister tonight. I give you honor, God. I give you praise. There is no one like you. I worship you, God. I, I, I ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. I thank you for your time. Let us come back tonight believing of great things.